In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. Coming to you from Mercedes-Benz Stadium where Atlanta United defeated the Columbus Crew 3-1. to uh, history was tied today with Joseph Martinez scoring his twenty. What was Seventh. it? Yeah, tra- I've lost count already. Twenty <laughs> seventh goal uh, to open the scoring in the thirty first minute, followed by a goal of the year candidate by Hector Viaba in the seventy sixth minute, and a finale by Miguel Almiron in the eighty second minute. Columbus had tied it in the fiftieth minute on a goal from Giassi Zardes. Had another chance to take the lead uh, two minutes later on Zardis, but he was denied by Brad Guzan. I'm joined, as always, you just heard his voice, uh, by Jason Longshore of 92.9 and SoccerDownHere.com. Uh, the win moves Atlanta United to 51 points, three clear of the Red Bulls in the race for the Supporters' Shield. Atlanta United is back in control of the Supporters' Shield, at least until Wednesday when the Red Bulls travel to Yankee Stadium to take on NYCFC. But let's talk about today. Jason, what did you make of today's game? Man, that was a, that was a, a very high-quality match, first off. Uh, I think Columbus is a, a very good team. A, a little bit of a step behind the two New York teams in Atlanta, but a very good team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs. And, and when you have a guy like Federico Higuain who can pull the strings, you have a team that has a very coherent system. I think Greg Berhalter mm-hmm. has consistently shown that he's one of the best managers in the league. And mm-hmm. you know, we talked to Andrew Erickson on on soccer down here this week, and it kind of feels like this is ramping up to be a a last ride kind of scenario for the crew. Berhalter could be going to the national team. He's been mentioned as a candidate and a, a friend of Ernie Stewart's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Federico Higuain, this could be his last year. He signed a one-year deal at the end of the last season to come back. Uh, Justin Merrim had, you know, wanted to leave, wanted to leave, wanted to leave. He's back long-term. Will Trapp had an offer from Blackbird on the table. Zach Steffen had an offer from England on the table as well. And then there's the whole Austin thing. Right. It kind of feels like things are ramping up for a last ride. And Columbus showed how dangerous they can be today, especially to start the second half. They came out and really you know, took advantage of an Atlanta team that was a little flat. But the response from Atlanta United, once they kind of gathered themselves in the second half, was very, very strong. Yeah, it's interesting to me. Um, it's almost, if I'm Gerardo Martino, it's almost like I want my team to play just a little bit sleepy. Appear like you're a half a step slow. See if you can get the other team to just stretch itself just a little bit, and then you attack the space left behind. Because as soon as Columbus missed the opportunity with Zardes, and then Lorenowitz made the awesome pass to Hector Villaba that led to the second goal, 
things just got turned on their head for Columbus. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I think Bearhalter is one of the best coaches, if not the best coach, considering the resources at hand in Major League Soccer. Um, I, I hope that he gets another opportunity. I don't know if I would like to see him as the U.S. Men's National Team Manager um, as opposed to a club guy because he does have a definite system and it does take a lot of practice, which he wouldn't really get with a national team per se. But his teams are so well coached and they're so much fun to watch. Uh, today, the difference was just the quality of Joseph Martinez, Hector Villaba, and Miguel Amaron. Yep. Uh, Columbus just doesn't have anybody that can approach those three. Not for ninety minutes. No, I, I think I mean, Iguain can, but he's also at in the, his prime. He's can, at the end of his yeah, career, not anymore, and he's not able to give you ninety minutes week in and week out no. anymore. He just isn't. Zardis' goal was a thing of beauty and one I didn't think he was capable of doing. Zardis is an outstanding player. Um, that, that guy gets so much criticism from the the general American soccer fan base. 15 goals a season, one off his all-time record with 16 in 2014. Um, the most shocking coaching move of last season was Siggy Schmidt saying, I don't have a forward and playing Jossie Zardes at right back. I mean, that's just such an insulting move, and I think Zardes is kind of sticking it to him every time he scores here. I'm a little surprised that Zardes was as open as he was. It yeah, out his complete defensive midfielders got caught wide. And he was just standing about 22 yards away in the middle of the field. Will Trapp very smartly hit the long pass off just a one-time to clearance right to Zardes, who turned and didn't hesitate. He was aggressive, and he put a shot that Guzan, I'm not sure who could have saved. No, nobody's stopping that. Zardes Um, doesn't score many from 20 yards out. Neither does Martinez. No. This was his first goal (laughs) outside the penalty box. Struck with his left foot uh, to the near side. Uh, Stefan would probably like to have that one back. His positioning, I'm guessing, wasn't the greatest. Uh, Actually, it wasn't bad. When you look at it, it was a curler from Martinez. So left foot and the curl was coming from outside of the post back in. That's a really tough shot for a goalkeeper because, you know, even though you know where he's shooting for, you see that curve and you're like, okay, you can take a little bit of an extra step because it's going wide and it curls in and sneaks in. I think Martinez and that goal, that's something that we saw in the highlight films of him coming over from Europe. We haven't seen it in the system at all, I think. so Not this year. So y'all know, this is why Martinez is so difficult to stop. Six goals with his right foot this season, six with his left foot, <laughs> nine with his head, and I think five or six from penalty kicks, whatever that adds up to. I think it's six from penalties. So, something like that. Um, that's why he's so hard to stop. He's very intelligent. He's very funny. Uh, he also does not like talking to us, and I'm going to share a quick little story about a funny example of that. So earlier this week, he was on the interview schedule. He came out. He was asked about thoughts about breaking the record at home, thoughts about breaking the record in general. He did not want to talk about it at all. I only want to talk about winning. I'm only focused on winning. Y'all are the ones that want to talk about the record. All this stuff, Okay. It was obvious he was not in the mood to talk. The interview lasted about two minutes and 51 seconds, and we probably got 100 words total from him. And most of those were about Acuna for the Braves. <laughs> nice. Um, so he scores the game tie- the, the record-tying goal today. He's got to be brought out to talk to us. He comes out and talks to us. You know, my first question is thoughts about both tying the record and getting the win, trying to tie the things together. Mm-hmm. He gives an answer, doesn't talk about tying the record at all. 
So I asked him again. Well, you know, you tied the record. Any thoughts about that? And, you know, he, he gave something that, I, I, just get me to 28. I might have something to say when I get to 28. <laughs> like, okay. So it's about breaking the record. So then later he's asked again by someone, well, you did tie the record. Don't you have any thoughts about tying the record? And so finally he says, I want to break the record. So he does, it's not just the wins. Obviously that's important. But it is about the records. But anyway, I just thought that's kind of the, one of the funnier interactions that we have with Martinez, who I think is, is a, you know, I think he's a fantastic player, obviously. Um, I think he's an intelligent player, a very underrated part of his game. Um, I just wish he would talk to us just a little bit more because I think he's a funny guy Yeah. Uh, when he wants to be. Um, but anyway, What's, that's neither here nor there. It, it's entertaining because Joseph kind of reminds me of that kind of different personality that you see with a front man for a band where, I mean, he has just tons of charisma. Mm. You, you see it on the field. You see it, you know, in his social media. He's funny in his social media. Um, but he he wants to do things his way. And he's not going to to give in to what other people want him to do. And he's a guy who's obsessed with scoring goals. And, yeah, I think he, he wants the record, but not at the expense of the bigger picture for this team. Otherwise, he would have forced a shot on that final opportunity, the, the cross from Vialba that he lays off for Almarum. Right. You know, he doesn't force things. He no. plays within the team. Um, but the goal I want to talk about is Vialba's goal, uh, simply because it was so freaking outstanding. Um, so I referenced the excellent line-splitting pass from Jeff Lernowitz. Uh, that led to the goal. <laughs> it was actually just kind of a looping clearance that Viaba ran down to. Right about the right corner of the halfway line. Okay, mm-hmm. so the far far away from us from the penalty box. You want to hear the beginning of that play? So sure. we had Jeff Lorenowitz on 92.9 for the full-time report and talked about the situation before that, the cross from Justin Merrim that goes into Lorenowitz's hand. As it's right. down by his side, it's not called. Columbus is kind of going crazy. Marufo, the referee, was very clear with his arms yeah, by his side, pointing at his arm, saying no. Jeff said he just wanted to play that ball as far away from the 18 as possible so it doesn't get looked at, so it doesn't get talked about. And it ends up going to Tito, and Tito does takes care of the rest. Well, history will show it was a radar-like pass of immense skill. <laughs> So anyway, he runs onto the ball near the corner of the halfway line. One defender is trying to catch up to him, uh, doesn't have a good angle. Viaba blows past him and then starts to curl toward the middle of the field, kind of around the top of the penalty box. Doesn't stop. There are two defenders goal side, one defender uh, midway line side. He kind of just runs right past all three of them. Martinez is standing right there wondering if he's going to get the pass. Almiron is barreling in wondering if he's going to get a layoff. Viaba said he didn't pick his head up, so he had no idea if either one of those players were there. (laughs) Then when he finally does pick his head up, he sees the goal and just kind of pivots with his left foot, turns and puts it back across his body past Stefan into the lower right corner. As I tweeted, I don't cuss in my tweets. Because, you know, we're, we're a, a family newspaper. Family friendly. Not to sound like the goobers on men and, or uh, the goobers on uh, the uh, grumpy pundits. Um, <laughs> but I say, I tweeted, he dribbled through the whole damn defense. Yeah, kind of. 
and scored. Uh, I think it's got to be a goal of the year candidate. I don't think it'll beat Slatan's goal uh, to beat uh, LAFC. Um, but it was a fantastic piece of skill. Viaba hadn't seen the replay yet, but he said later it reminded him of a goal that he scores on FIFA when he's either <laughs> playing as playing as himself or playing as Almiron. Yeah, I kind of drew it back to is similar to his first professional goal for San Lorenzo when he broke into the team. Uh, God, it's been probably five, six years ago now. Um, yeah, his speed's just deadly. And when he gets out on the run, he's a he's a much better dribbler than he gets credit for. And I think it's something that he's actually improved going yeah, into this I'm, year. Yeah, I'm writing a story about that next week, actually. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's something that's become a, a real weapon for this team. And in that situation, I mean, he just gets the, the defense on their heels. And he's able to take full advantage cutting across the top of the six and, and passing it with his left foot back into the far corner of the goal. I said it was the best goal that's been scored in this building. Uh, I think it is. It's the best Atlanta goal scored in this building, for sure. I'd have yeah. to think back about opponents' goals. But yeah. it's up there. And, I mean, you think of the big goals in this club's history, three of them are Tito's. I mean, the the goal, uh, probably more. I, I think I'd throw the Montreal goal into that, too. The one here last year that he nutmegged somebody at the top of the 18, gets on it and rips a right-footed shot. That's the fourth best of his goals. And a lot of guys would take that one as their best. You, you have the goal in Orlando. You have the goal at Bobby Dodd to close the building out. And you have this one. Tito shows up in big moments. Mm-hmm. And this year he has eight assists now with the assist on the final goal. Mm-hmm. Plus four five, goals, four goals mm-hmm. in very limited time. Yeah, he's. it's either the four or the fast. Each of the, each of the past four or five games, he either has an assist or a goal. Um, I think he's playing the best soccer he's ever played. And frankly, the first half of this game, he was awful. His touch was off. His dribbling was off. He just things weren't working. He was on the left side, yeah, which but, is but one thing. But then it thing. clicked in the second. Yeah, half. and it was it was better when he did switch over to the the right side. Um, it's just more comfortable. And when you're you're a right footed player and you're stronger on your right foot, it's a little well, more comfortable. To be for fair, you. though, he has been playing the left the past couple of games and played well. He has. He's, um, he's been okay. Play, he played over there a couple games ago when they were in the four two three one with this same lineup in Montreal. Right. Um, three five two. He's he's a little more central, so it's a little bit different type of shape against Toronto. He can do it, but he's more dangerous on the other side, and I think that showed today. A couple of other quick talking points. Um, Atlanta United has fifteen wins now, one more than it had all of last season. Uh, Ezekiel Barco was back in the eighteen, came on, played well in his stint, particularly when Atlanta United was trying to manage the game's final minutes, something they did not do against Toronto. He was key to that. And Martino said, you know, Columbus probably didn't deserve the treatment that we gave them at the end of the game when we were trying to basically delay the game, trying to manage it out. Uh, But that's been a problem for us in the past, and we had to do it today, and so they did. It was exaggerated. I mean, you know, Brad Gazan's yellow card for time wasting, was it a little bit quicker than we've seen some other referees, you know, with opponent goalkeepers? Yeah, but it was it was deserved. I mean, he, he was taking as much time as he possibly could. Tito took as, as long as he possibly could coming off the field. Stuff like that was fine. What I liked was that they did go for the third goal. And you had the, the second goal, the go-ahead goal in the 76th minute. You didn't just sit back. You didn't just play four corners and try to pass around. 
you took the opportunity when it came, and that play started with Chris McCann. And, and Chris McCann is somebody that I don't think gets enough credit in this team. He jumps into a passing lane at the top of the 18, continues his run across the box to the right side. Instead of just playing it into the stands, he plays a right-footed curling ball into Tito's run down the right side, and that leads to Tito crossing, Martinez laying it off, Almiron finishing. Chris McCann had a great match today. Mm -hmm. Eric Rometty had another great match today. Mm -hmm. Franco Escobar had a great match today. Mm Mm-hmm. You had strong performances throughout. I mean, when we're going through for man of the match, it was a hard decision. It wasn't easy. There were strong performances throughout. This was one of those kind of big boy type of wins. And I think Atlanta United needed one of these. Yeah, they very much did. They needed a confidence boost, uh, both in the result and the performance. And I, I think the second half was a great illustration of that. The first half was really kind of dull other than Martinez's goal. Uh, the last 30. The the first part of the second half, Atlanta was flat, and Columbus took advantage. Mar- Martino, because after Viava's goal, Martino went and jumped into, I think yeah. it was uh, Jorge's uh, arms, uh, which I've never seen him do before. And so that was my first question to Martino, and he, I think he was a little bit embarrassed that he got caught doing that. But, but he, he said, the second half was so beautiful, I felt like I had to scream. That goal was. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, is this team thrives on emotion. And, I mean, you can see it. They wear it on their sleeve. You can see when this team's feeling good about themselves. You can see when this team's not as confident. I mean, it shows. And you score a goal like that. When Tito Villalba scores a goal that will go down in the Atlanta United history books and whatever you know documents there are in 100 years of Atlanta United soccer, that goal's going to be on there because it's that good. And when that happens, you do celebrate it. And I mean, I haven't heard the TV call yet. I, I know Kevin and, and Dan were, were yelling and producers probably turning them down so they don't blow the mics out. That's what we were doing. I mean, it was just that kind of moment, and everybody reacts that way. The fans are going crazy. Tata's jumping onto people. The bench is exploding. It's that kind of goal. It's a special moment. I think Columbus was still irate about the non-handball call. And Jair Marufo handled it. Perfectly, because what I loved about it was immediately he was decisive. When the play happened, he has his arms down by his side in the same manner that Lorenowitz did. He slaps at his left arm, puts it down even lower, and then like kind of waves off like, no, no, no. And the play was checked, as every play is, and it didn't go to a full review. Marufo was very clear in saying he saw it, he knows what happened, and he was good with it. Yeah, that's... Before the World Cup, that play would have been reviewed on the monitors at the end of the field. Uh, as soon as play stopped, that that would have been reviewed. And if that had happened, Viaba's goal would have come off. Oh yeah, the board. If you if they had decided that and it was Columbus would have gotten a penalty. Right. If they had decided all that, I but, I'm not going to say that it definitely would have because Jair Marufo's a different well, well he is Jair Marufo is the best referee in Major League Soccer first well, off he's I'm better just, than Geiger he's a World Cup referee he's not a guy who's going to get pushed around because you got to remember what the situation was today it wasn't a referee with a high level VAR it was flipped it was Marufo who is the probably number two in terms of credibility because Geiger has done more international games Marufo did a World Cup game this year and it was John Freeman as the video assistant referee who hasn't refereed in Major League Soccer. So I don't think he's going to force Marufo into a review there. Well, my point was 
that I think since the World Cup, when clear and obvious was the baseline, that was not clear and obvious. No, no, no. Um, before the World Cup, I think that that would have been reviewed uh, because that seemed to be the tendency. Clear and obvious wasn't the standard. It was just, I should look at it, regardless of clear and obvious. But now, that seems to be the standard. You're seeing that more and more in Major League Soccer. There's still some complaints about VAR and PRO, but I think a lot fewer than there were pre-World Cup. There's a couple things at play, I think, and this is something that I've had some conversations with people in the referee community, and they are looking at things with assistant VARs, and there is an assistant VAR. We don't know who it is match-to-match because it's not publicized. They're trying to do more with that role. They're trying to look at what worked at the World Cup and how they can emulate things. I do think since they've had some of these bad weekends where VARs had a bad time across the league, I think it has changed a little bit. I do think it is still a little more of referee to referee and assignment to assignment. And that's the problem I have with the whole system. Because if you had this flipped, if it was John Freeman in his first or second game in the middle making that call, and it's Jair Marufo or Mark Geiger, who's one of the more established referees in the booth, it's a different dynamic. And I think in this one... And part of it is because Marufo was so clear through his mannerisms on the field that he saw it, he knows exactly what happened in his mind, and he was good with the call, that it wasn't ever going to be looked at. Other referees might have handled it differently. But I thought Marufo did an excellent job today, and in general, I just like the way he calls the game. He doesn't like to go to cards very often. He likes to let the game play out, and he manages it very well because he's constantly communicating with the players. Did you think it was a handball? No. Because his hands were down. Yeah, I mean, I there's either. just nothing he could it was, do. It was ball to hand, not hand to ball. And before people tweeted me about that, if you read the rule book, you'll see the deliberate and handball are mm-hmm. tied together yeah. in almost every situation in the rule book. So when I say it was, it was ball to hand, not hand to ball, that implies it was not a deliberate action. It was simply an action. Maybe if the ball hadn't been hit so hard, you could have said, oh, well, maybe he put his hand there and kept it there on purpose. But the ball was hit with pace into his arm. It wasn't a handball. Go back and look at the video as opposed to a couple of the still shots I've seen on, on social media. The still shots that I've seen are taken from an angle where it looks like Jeff is making himself big, and it's actually from an angle facing him, not facing where the ball came from. If you if you look at it and you see the video, you see that he's actually trying to turn away. He's yeah. trying to keep his arm away from it. Right. But they're down at his side. There's literally nothing he can do to avoid that. All right. Well, we've been babbling for 22 minutes. Uh, Atlanta United will return to action on Friday at Orlando City, which is where Joseph Martinez can break the MLS single-season scoring record. Wouldn't uh, that be fun? If he nets his 28th goal against the once again struggling Lions. Uh, Jason, what do you have coming up? Uh, we've got a busy week on soccer down here. Uh, overreaction Monday tomorrow. We're, we're live 9 o'clock, blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here. Uh, we've also got some Atlanta United 2 action this week, Wednesday night at the Proving Ground, Cool Ray Field. Cincinnati come into town uh, a few months away from getting their inaugural MLS season started. So that'll be a fun one. If you can't make it out to Lawrenceville for that one, it's on ESPN+. Plus. It'll be myself and John Nelson on the call. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. You can subscribe to the e-edition of the paper, or you can subscribe to the printed Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I got both. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, once again, Atlanta United defeats Columbus 3-1. to Joseph Martinez ties the MLS single-season goal-scoring record with his 27th. Hector Viaba adds a goal-of-the-year candidate. Miguel Almiron scores in the 82nd minute for his ninth goal this season. Atlanta United moves back atop the Supporter Shield race with 51 points, three ahead of the Red Bulls, four ahead of NYCFC, and I've forgotten how many ahead of Dallas. But I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast. I hope you'll tell your friends about this podcast. I hope you'll rate this podcast, and I hope you'll follow all the coverage through the social media channels I've already mentioned. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.